0: up. Testing, testing. They look good. A little bad light. Yeah, buddy. That song is called Good Shit. You know, Indeed it is. Pardon my French, but <laughs> I didn't name the song. Those guys did. They're uh, friends of mine from out in California. let me use a lot of their music. I appreciate that. And uh, Yeah, man, since you turned them on to me, I've been listening to them pretty frequently.
1: Uh, in fact, this is one of the songs that I kind of found on and i could search them through youtube and this is yeah. one of the songs that struck me
0: yeah uh, yeah they're legit they're they're a good band they they don't really tour or they're, they're not really out there much yet but uh i have a feeling they will be i mean if they keep you know producing music like that i mean I dig it. I listen to them all the time.
1: Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, if they, do, I hope they do make it out this way because I'd really love to go check them out live. Like I said, I've seen a little couple bits and pieces on YouTube, but, uh, yeah, I'd really like it. That's just one of my favorite things in the world, man,
0: live music. Yeah. Not, yeah. not quite like it. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you on that for sure. But here we are, episode number five. Landmark, man.
1: Crazy, right? Yeah. Yeah, this has really uh, been an absolute blast doing this. Uh, a lot of great feedback. Um you know today i think this is the the last podcast you just posted today right
0: yeah and
1: yep. uh, i mean probably the most feedback we've seen that I, yeah. me anyhow uh some yeah. of the comments and stuff and it's been really uh kind of uh in, in
0: the word i'm looking for here. i'm, I'm drawing a blank <laughs> uh yeah uh, we got some expedited feedback this time it, it kind of happened quickly you know it at a more accelerated pace than I guess what we've seen from the first three yeah yeah you know, it's starting I'd,
1: to get it, some wheels yeah
0: so good deal that's inspiring, inspiring to see you know people are seeing it and it's getting out there and we'll just keep plugging along and doing what we're doing hopefully but what we
1: do is relatable as it seems that so far everything's been somewhat relatable uh to a lot
0: of the the folks who've commented so hey let's just keep on going with it yep. to see how it plays out yeah and on that note um one of a, the more popular things i think we've been doing is uh you know i won't call it picking apart social media posts but uh there was a good one the other night and i got on it real quick and screen captured everything before it yeah, was yeah, taken yeah. down and uh i don't know was it uh was it the hunting pennsylvania group again
1: yeah yeah it was it was indeed yeah they've, they've been giving us quite a bit to look at
0: as of late there yeah and I don't know what it is. You know, just a bunch of hard-headed guys, and that's there's nothing well, wrong with that. They're dug in. That's
1: Pennsylvania for you, man. And yeah. We've been here most of it. You, you're born and raised here, you know, yeah, myself I mean, as well. I mean, I I moved around the country a bit when I got older, but, you know, like in my, my uh, 20s and whatnot. But, yeah, for the most part, this is how it is, man. It's how families are. I have family members who are like that. You can't talk them out of it.
0: No. These guys are dug in. And they're not changing their minds. That's it. That's it. And, you know, it's, but it's we're gonna great try. to have an
1: opinion. Yeah, it's great to have an opinion <laughs> on stuff. But if it's an opinion just for the sake of having an opinion, that's not really going to get us to progress anywhere. So no. it's it's tough that way. But, you know, sometimes it's a benefit being as hard-headed as they are. But. Yeah, uh, you know, what I've seen out of this group is really positive. Uh, The Hunting Pennsylvania Closed group, I've seen a lot of really good, positive stuff. But every once in a while,
0: man, you find one of these sore thumbs sticking out, man. And you you, you know what was interesting about this one was that it was a topic that I saw it, and right away I was like, I got to know what's going to happen here. And it was something that my opinion was clearly in the majority, right? or not the majority, the, the, the minority. The minority, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Excuse me. But uh, yeah, it was not a popular opinion. We'll, we'll put it that way. And what the Post said, simple sentence, how about a shotgun-only deer season statewide? And my God, you would think that this guy <laughs> just asked for these people's firstborn child.
1: Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, I and honestly, I haven't seen any evidence here as to why they would base their opinions uh, that
0: way. Well, that was the, the the thing that I immediately went for. I I mean, I think it was you were only able to comment on this for maybe twenty minutes, and then the comments got shut off. The admins right, right. were probably like, "This is a mess." <laughs> but it was just straight no. Just right. people commenting no. Period hard no, period. Lots of thumb downs, emojis. Shotgun only, stupid idea. So I instantly got on there and the first thing I said was, how about a reason? Can somebody please give me a reason as to why you're so opposed to this? And it was discouraging because no one wanted to engage, but.
1: Yeah, there's some pretty hard-nosed answers in there. Um, You know, and, and A few years ago, I had a stepbrother who wanted to get into hunting, and uh, I didn't have a lot of guns at the time. But I had an 870, and that's that's probably the gun I go to most for just about anything. Is my Remington 870 shotgun, 12 gauge, and uh, I had a a 3030 lever action, and I had my 870. I didn't have any really you know a lot of rifles at the time. This is several years ago, so I figured you know instead of buying a gun, I'm gonna go out and buy a rifled shotgun barrel with that little cantilever. Uh, piece on it so you put a scope on it put a little 4 power scope on the top of this 870 and went to the range and shot just a good set of slugs didn't put a ton of money into it and I was blown away with how accurate that was as a rifle kicked the snot out of me but I'll tell you what man that's no difference than shooting 3.5 inch mags for turkey I used to hunt goose a lot and uh, Mm. we used to shoot 3.5 mags for that so you kind of get over it quick but, man, I was putting them in the same hole at 50 yards, and I was like, it's PA. How far do you really shoot? Unless you're hunting a field edge, uh, you know, you're not going to be shooting all that far. So I was comfortable with that. And uh, I was like, man, I might just stick with this. Yeah, so I mean, from
0: personal experience, I have no problem shooting a shotgun. I, you know, it's I don't see the big deal if that ever did come to the point where mm-hmm. it was an actual discussion, it might happen. I I think it was last year I saw one of the Drury's make it it was like a 200 and some yard shot with a slug yeah, like, yeah. It, you, if you put, put on, some time and effort yeah no absolutely
1: You put some time and effort into it and you're going to be able to dial it in um, you know, I just had a discussion with about turkey loads with this. Like some guys are talking about 70-yard turkey shots with a 12-gauge. Well, is it doable? Sure, with modern equipment and the yeah. type of ammo they're putting out there. And buckshot. But yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, even the, the, the TSS, the tungsten, some sort of tungsten uh, alloy that they're putting out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Winchester makes it called the TSS or something. But, I mean, the, you can do it with that. But yeah. is that, what fun is that?
0: No, yeah, it's not. You're, For me, you're, getting you're, that
1: bird where you can hear them and feel them yeah. spitting and drumming—that's the ticket. Yeah, you're man. skipping the best part. Just go buy a turkey. Right, what? right. You know, if someone came out and just posted, "Listen, I have a huge, you know, emotional connection to my hunting rifle," that's acceptable.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. If you, if you, <laughs> you know if know somebody mean? just gave me one reason, yeah, I just yeah. wanted one reason, and it was there was nothing. It was just add an additional shotgun season. What's the point of that? The, yeah, the, that that kind of aligns
1: with one of the the posts I saw that there's already too many overlapping seasons, and I would agree with that. There's a lot.
0: I think I think, they, I think that this guy was talking about replacing right. I agree. Shotgun. I agree. And still, even if they did that, we'd I'm almost positive be one of the only states in the country that would have two straight weeks of firearm season. Yeah, that's not how it works in most of the country. No, I, absolutely. I, I think Illinois does is it like three days and then there's another three days or it's split up? Not, there's I'm like not a sure. Season. Yeah. I've never hunted out there before. I, and I, if
1: I'm not mistaken, I think Iowa might be a shotgun state. There's a couple of Midwestern states where it's shotgun only. Yeah. And there's some of the, the best deer herds in the country. So well, there's that, something to be said for the thought process behind it, but you see, um, I, I get I, it.
0: Yeah. That's the thing is that I don't understand why if a state wants to go to the lengths to improve their, their herd, why they wouldn't, you know, uh, what's the word imitate, you know, these other states that have great deer herds. Right, right, right. I mean, their age class is better. Their their deer are bigger. Mm-hmm. They're healthier. Right. And I think that that's a really big misconception. That twenty years ago, when people were seeing forty deer a day, right, that that oh our our herd was so healthy. It wasn't healthy. Right. I right. don't think people understand. You know how, you know populations actually are supposed to work. They're supposed right. to be balanced.
1: More is not always better, uh, especially now when there's even more habitat loss now than there was, you know, 20 years ago when you could see 40 deer on, right. uh, on an opening day. Uh, you know, there's a lot of habitat that's been kind of consumed uh, since then. So to see that
0: many deer now, it's almost scary. Right. And um, I mean, I, I'm sure that was an awesome day. Oh, sure. You know. It's, it's like McDonald's is shallow and just instantly good, Mm -hmm. but it's not right. 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 And it's not good. Right. That, that, that's pretty much the short of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's not good for the deer themselves. And it's not good for everything in the immediate environment of the deer, right? Vegetation, other species, everything in that ecosystem. Sure. You know, once once one thing is out of balance, the whole ecosystem is out of Absolutely. balance. Absolutely. I mean, a, a good example of that, and, and those of you
1: from Pennsylvania will should have it, especially the northeast Pennsylvania area. will will um, be familiar with a place called the Hideout. It's yeah. a, a housing community up in near like Hamlin. Uh, is is it? I think it's in Hamlin, up in that area, Mount Cobb. Yeah. Like that area. Yeah. Um, and that place is absolutely overrun with deer. I mean, you, Mm. everyone (laughs) up there, I mean, everyone's complaining their deer eating their rose bushes. Not anymore. No? (laughs) Maybe you know something I don't.
0: Yeah, they, uh, well, that's the thing. Um, the one guy that I work with has hunting property that bumps up to the hideout. Okay. And I don't know if it was last year, the year before. In recent years, uh, they sent a, a private company in. Oh, they did it. Wiped. wiped they were them talking out. about that for a while. Yeah, so that happened, and that. Oh man, I didn't that, realize they did it's it. It's even worse now. Like, well, I don't know. They went from one extreme to the other. From the sounds of it, I mean, yeah. it, I, I hear some horror stories about there. You know, they're just not seeing any deer now.
1: Yeah. I well, it's funny we we're talking about seeing forty deer. Uh, I I sat on a property up there years back it was for opening day archery season which not a lot of guys like to get out early or even get out at all on opening day cuz it's still kind of warm but i was more of a it was you know more of a heritage thing for me you know, somebody's going mm-hmm. would get out and make a make a day of it go out and i sat in my stand and i watched 25 deer walk under my stand but i could also see the back gate of the hideout from where i was really? sitting i literally was right against it was right across the road from the mm-hmm. backside of hideout so the hideout was always you know notoriously popular for Huge herds of deer taken up camp
0: yeah. uh, in people's yards. We, and, should, we should probably explain what the hideout is. Yeah. It, yeah, Like a, just like a housing development. Exactly. It's like of, a gated community. community.
1: Yeah. Uh, and, you know, people were like, oh, look, it's deer. Let's feed them. Yeah. And it just got out of hand. Yep. And they just so pretty both. much took up residence in there and really overrun the place. So yeah, they'd mentioned that a few times. They were looking at thinning them out up there at the hideout. Um, yeah, well, that happened. Um, yeah. Wow. Well, I didn't and realize it, 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 it did. Well, it
0: took a big toll.
1: Right. Uh, And, you know, you have a a large herd like that. People were, like, putting big piles of feed out. And what they don't realize is that's how things like EHD spread is Mm -hmm. from saliva. So you have a bunch of deer eating in the same pile eventually it's going to get swapped up. You know what I mean? They're going to, you know, someone's going to drop a piece of corn out of their mouth. The other one's going to eat it. And now you start to Mm cross-contaminate. And, you know, disease was starting to become a problem. And then it was so many deer that, you know, there wasn't enough habitat for them. And they were starving. You'd find emaciated deer stumbling in your driveway. And it just became a a big, you know, issue. So more is definitely not always better Mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to the deer herd. Healthy is always better. You know what I mean? And when you exceed the capacity of know,
0: what the land's capable of holding, then you're going to have problems, man. Right. And, uh, and I think in, in a, in the most simple sense, if you think about, let's say one square mile and you think about all the vegetation and forage that is available in that one square mile and you put, I don't know, 40 deer, right, 50 deer in that one square mile they're going to have to compete exactly it's going to stress them out they're they're going to have smaller bodies they're not going to be as healthy their immune systems are going to be right not as efficient it's all around just not a good place for the deer to be no it takes a toll on the offspring the whole deal yeah so if you have that right number that there's that ideal number the, the peak of that bell curve that should be populating one square acre it's less deer. Right. Obviously. Those deer are going to be bigger. They're going to be healthier. You're mm-hmm. going to see better fat on those deer. Sure. You know, they're going to be much bigger. And and I think that that's something that people don't realize. They see what's immediately in front of them, what they're seeing, and they're they're saying this is either good or bad. Right. I'm seeing a ton of deer. Awesome. I'm not seeing any deer. This is terrible.
1: Right, right. You know. And and you know, to to a lot of people that's it. You know, that that's kind of how they gauge it. There's not a whole lot of, of thought outside of that, um, which is kind of unfortunate. But again, we don't expect everybody to be, you know, really in tune with this. I mean, the fact that they're out there going at it, it's great. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I, just to, to really want that, it's careful what you ask for Yeah. to want C40 deer in a day. You know what I mean? Because eventually it's going to catch up and there's going to be an issue. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. I... I I don't think I would be uh, opposed to a shotgun season. Um,
0: I, d- I definitely wouldn't. I mean, I've found that you know, the way my dad brought me up to hunt with the rifle is he wanted to take advantage of hunting with the rifle. Oh sure. So you know we'd get up and we'd cut our lanes and we'd we'd have two hundred yard shots, two hundred fifty yard mm-hmm. shots because you know you're just playing that odds game. You're increasing sure, your sure. odds. So we'd be, you know, have our rifles two inches high at 100. Mm-hmm. We'd be dead on it two, 250. We, you know, take advantage of being able to use the rifle. Well, that's it. You can really reach out there, you know. Yeah. But, you know, I think most people in Pennsylvania with the, the terrain that we hunt, you, you don't usually get those shots. Right. Unless you're really setting yourself up for them.
1: No, no you're absolutely right. And there are spots. I know some guys uh, who like to hunt pole lines. And, you know, you've mm-hmm. got some stretches where... You can shoot four or five hundred yards if you're capable, yeah, but that's that's not the
0: norm, yeah, you know what and I mean? is, you know is that really worth it worth mm-hmm. you know the in, the the greater good of the deer herd, right, which is why we're supposed to be hunting well,
1: that's it it's you know that, at the end of the day that's kind of the the end game is use the resources that we bring to the table to improve the deer herd and keep them around as a renewable right. resource. Essentially, that's what they are as a renewable resource. You know, any, any North American wild game can be considered that way. Um, but we kind of need to do the right
0: thing by them. Right. So, <clears throat> I mean, it's, it, it's the people who are really clinging to that. I mm-hmm. need my rifle. I think you have to maybe reevaluate and think, you know, am I being selfish here? Right. Can right. I still have a good time in the woods with, a shotgun,
1: right, right, you know, and 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 I agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, you know, I, on the flip side, you know, uh, conversely, you know, I this last season I got to go out and hunt with uh, my grandfather's thirty out six. I kind of told you the story mm-hmm. on that. It was uh, a very roundabout way how that rifle came back to me, and uh, it was kind of like an, an icon of my childhood, my grandfather's rifle, that whole deal. And I managed to uh, get out this past season and hunt with it, and just the fact that I was carrying that over my shoulder into the woods was you know a big deal for me right. so you know i can understand that concept of it you know right. it, it was a gun that was handed down or it something that i built myself you know mm-hmm. some guys are really into building their own rifles and right. you know there's there's a, a really intense connection for a lot of people to their rifle mm-hmm. um but even though i carried that 30 out of six into the into <laughs> the woods uh for the uh first day of doe season i shot my doe at 65 yards yeah so i mean it will, it will uh, a slug would have done it too. absolutely in fact they probably would have a shorter tracking job not that it was a very long one but right. uh yeah it's uh you know there's there's definitely an argument to be made on either side and you know if they all of a sudden came out and said all right 2019 with shotgun only i'd be like well okay i'm gonna start tuning up my 870 again you know and if they don't well whatever i i, I enjoy hunting with the rifle i'm more of a bow hunter anyway but uh, I'm, I'm a hunter first. So, yeah. uh, if I don't get a, a, you know, a doe in archery or if I have an extra doe tag,
0: bet your ass I'm waiting for that first Saturday. Of <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Coming yeah. around, man. I don't, in the last, I don't know. I'm, mean, I'm trying to think of the last time I actually shot, shot a deer with the rifle. I, I don't remember, which <laughs> I don't, I, I, really, I really yeah. don't remember. It, it's been a few years, but I, I've, I'll take it out. I have nothing sure. against it. If if I have that doe tag mm-hmm. in my pocket, you know I'll any way <laughs> that's legal for me to get some venison. <laughs> Absolutely, and, you know, man. That's I'm gonna it. Do it. But I'm also not gonna you know l- look for something just to shoot three hundred yards. Right. Right. And know, again, that's
1: another that's another issue with you know some guys. That's the, and, and I, I won't even call it an issue because to each their own. You know what I mean? As long as you're legal and you're doing right. I could care less what you're doing. Right. Um, I happen to, and again, come back to uh, some crazy social media stuff. It was a video of a guy decided he was going to go doe hunting, but he had a 50 BMG, 50 caliber BMG. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's over the top. Like, it's... that's just shooting it just to shoot it. And ah. again, you know, it was legal, within legal limits, and that's fine. It's not my cup of tea by any means. No. Um, that's me definitely overkill. That's just. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to get too deep into that, but, uh, you know,
0: it's there's kind of one of those things where you know that he just wanted to do it just to see what would happen.
1: Yeah, that Which was, we... I guess, the equivalent of some kind of weird clickbait. <laughs> yeah. Because you see the we'll title on YouTube, you know, 50 BNG versus a doe. A lot of people are going to want to see what happens there, you know. Yeah, um, yeah I saw the title. And, and you know, maybe I should have watched it before I commented on it, but yeah if that, that's the premise and he decided to pull a switcheroo and not shoot it with a bmg well that's what you get for naming it 50 bmg I versus
0: doe yeah i think i did see that though it was a long shot and i feel like it was down like a gully and the deer was on like a hillside big grassy hillside yeah i, yeah, think, I didn't yeah. watch
1: it i I had no interest in it but uh you know there's a lot of stuff out there like that and uh you know i it, ethical if it's within my my wheelhouse i feel ethically i'm gonna you know i'm, I'm comfortable with it but uh yeah, that's definitely... I mean, I wouldn't even shoot my thirty at six, 200 yards, because I just don't do it. Yeah. I'm sure it'll do it. You yeah. Know, no question, but it's not something I do. So, yeah, yeah, I mean,
0: uh, geez, it was back when, probably when I was 12 or 13, I mean, my dad took me to a range to shoot the gun at the, the, my 306 at mm-hmm. 300 yards. Yeah. Just to see what a 300-yard shot is like. Sure. And we just spent the day at the range shooting, you know, 300-yard shots. That was good enough. Oh absolutely. <laughs> and it's a lot of fun. You yeah, know, it is. I mean, no doubt. And I think that that was actually I don't know if it was his way of inadvertently saying, like, oh, look how hard it is to sh- right, to actually right, right. pull the shot off. You know? It, it it was it was a good lesson, sure. I'm sure. But I I don't know. The, this the whole thing with just clinging to your, your deer rifle mm-hmm. is I don't know. It's a hot button issue, but it, it's it's not crazy for it to be a discussion for us. No, I, I agree. We should be able to discuss these things in in, in an adult manner. Right, right. And uh, well, I'll look at some more comments here. Some things that you know, really, it just blows my mind. I think that if 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 we could come away with one thing from this podcast today. It's just you know, just open your mind for a second and just just listen, sure, you know i I just there there's no reason to be so dug in, we shouldn't have to argue with each other mm-hmm. like this, you know what I mean uh, for example this this comment, no, all caps, absolutely positively, unquestionable, no right. ten exclamation points mm-hmm. that'd be fine if you followed it up with something, just tell me why,
1: yeah. No, I know. There's a lot of that, you know. And it it comes out, I mean, we do have a pretty uh, liberal rifle season here in PA. You know what I mean? We have plenty of opportunities. So if you want to take a shotgun, just like I did, take a shotgun. Yeah. If you want to take a handgun, as long as you're within legal limits, take a handgun. You know, I have friends that do that. That's their challenge. Yeah. Where my challenge lies in archery tackle. His challenge lies in getting close enough to shoot him with a a three fifty seven magnum with a yeah. you know a, an eight inch barrel and you know that's his that's his gig I mean and he swears by that three fifty seven over the forty four and a lot of people would chastise him for that but he's killed a mess of deer with that handgun yeah so, that's you know, awesome I mean more that's... power to him but he knows his limits you know yeah. and he makes sure he stays within those limits and he's successful at it so it's you know but he does it during rifle season he's not complaining you know he's not calling for a pistol season he's no. uh yeah. just like, like oh, it's rifle season i'm gonna take my pistol um but yeah i i mean i get where the guy's coming from who initiated that post i think i do anyway i don't know if he was just trying to rile people
0: yeah up. he was, he just had a big uh, spoon and he was ready yeah. to stir a pot but uh you know, there's a couple of people that <laughs> said, uh, you know, absolutely, definitely, you know, there, there's, and there, there's probably only two or three. Um, this one was interesting. Uh, okay, if it takes a week of archery away, yeah. Well, no, no, <laughs> that's because they don't archery hunt. I guarantee it. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. Like, why be so bitter towards? archery hunter just because you don't archery hunt
1: that's like where i, I see archery guys who get upset with crossbow guys and you mm-hmm. know uh traditional guys who get upset with everyone <laughs> yeah right it's you know it's like listen we're all on the same team here you know at the end of the day we've got the same goals uh at hand uh, you know there's there's a lot to be accomplished and there's not a lot of us kicking in to do it uh, so we got to kind of s- stay united and i you know we harp i think we've mentioned that almost every podcast uh, about uniting as sportsmen and it's it's the reality of it i mean geez yeah. it's going to really help us uh in the long run
0: yeah uh there were a couple how about archery only how about an archery only state which you know i'd be all right with yeah i'd be okay with that one too
1: i think it might have a an impact on our deer herd uh, yeah for sure <laughs> They they would grow yeah, that, that's just me being selfish. <laughs>
0: yeah, but, I mean, hey, there's... Do it for a you, year or two. See how it plays out. Yeah, you, you got to go out and buy a crossbow if you're not a bow hunter.
1: You know and, and that's that's the thing. I mean, there's a lot of things that, you know, decisions we were talking uh, before the podcast a little bit about when they uh, authorized, you know, again, for a lot of people not from PA, typically you have a, a week of uh, rifle season that is only antlered deer. And then the following Saturday, depending on what you know, wildlife management unit you're hunting, you can uh, start to harvest doe uh, right. or antlerless is what mm-hmm. they how they how we uh, deem it. Uh, so you know they had uh, a couple of years. I think it was probably about three seasons. I could be mistaken on that. It wasn't very long because of the impact. Uh, but they opened up from day one. You can harvest antlered or antlerless, right? Uh, yeah. Depending on your WMU or wildlife management unit. Uh, and uh, where they really underestimated it was at the deer cutters. Yeah. They, there would be, you know, a guy who had a nice big walk in cooler out behind his shop where he cut deer, but nice. he'd have that full. Yeah. He'd have 25, 30 deer laying in his parking lot because it just was overwhelming because those deer didn't see it coming. We caught them off guard. Typically, the doe season happens after a week of guys being in, in the woods, and PA is a pretty heavily hunted, uh, forest, if you will. I mean, they yeah. don't call it the orange army for nothing. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you get a week of these people being in the woods, it educates those deer a little bit. So it gives them an opportunity to kind of avoid uh,
0: some precarious circumstances. And that that's an interesting point because, you know, it's called the orange army because we have the most hunters per square mile mm-hmm. in the entire country. But what I think a lot of these people don't understand is why do you think that is? Mm-hmm. Because people c- could come from out of state, take a rifle, and hunt for two weeks, right? You know, and that, and that's what it is. You can't do that right <laughs> in right, very right. many places in the country. So, I mean, that's why there. And I'm, I can't say this for sure because I'm I'm not 100 percent on this, but I think that we lead in out of state hunters.
1: That's very possible. I, I and mean, just from positive. my personal experience, I, I would have to agree with that. Again, I don't have a lot of. Uh, research to back that up but i mean just on personal experience i
0: believe i've read that somewhere but you know i could be wrong i did i didn't look it up recently uh an interesting comment i just saw from one of the admin of the hunting pennsylvania close group says i've killed many deer at 250 yards plus my rifle can make those shots my shotgun can't your shotgun can just want to let him know that. Yeah, yeah, it's you, possible. You, it, it's not out of the question, especially with, you know, the newer technology like you were saying before, yeah. even with turkey Slug guns can it, make 250-yard shots. Indeed, yeah. And, and if, it's, you, if if you know you're going to have a 250-yard shot, well, you might as well go practice that then and be ready to do that. Right, right. I mean, that's on you.
1: And that's it. You got you to gotta put the work in. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You're not just going to go buy a box of uh, three-and-a-half-inch, uh, you know— Slugs and and put them in your you know your Browning and and mm. just go out with a, a bead sight and knock one down at 200 yards. So yeah. You got to put the work in. You have to tune it just like you would any other type of machine. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's definitely capable, especially
0: nowadays. It's yeah. definitely capable. Yeah. I don't see why not. I mean, I don't know. I I see a lot of upside, and I don't really see a lot of downside. But then again, I don't know. I'm not super invested in. Rifle season. Right, right. So,
1: And that's it. A lot of guys, that's it. That's their bread and butter, man. That is what they look at every year. It's their vacation. It's where they put all their work, effort, dedication. They put everything into that. So I could relate to that, you know, because I'm that way with archery. Mm-hmm. If they came up and said, hey, you know, we're going to do a crossbow only season for archery, I wouldn't exactly be happy about it. Yeah. But I, I you know, like you said, we've got to be open to it. It'd give me a good reason why yeah I can't go out with my compound or the recurve like explain to me, and if it's a a valid reason fine i'll I'll submit to that, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I could see a lot of people uh getting really uptight about it uh, one of the comments was like, how about uh, an a r fifteen season? yeah, I was I like, mean, well, that almost happened, but uh you put two that's two slippery slope right here. <laughs> yeah
0: it'll really get it riled up, yeah, but, yeah that'll uh this is actually a comment I like right here. Can anyone have a civilized discussion anymore? Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> not on. Not on Facebook.
1: Yeah, you know, and, and again, I
0: think it Just this, said.
1: <laughs> or how how long have you been a window licker? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. Um, like that's you just that's, insult the guy for. Just yeah.
0: A, an off the off the cuff suggestion, you know, yeah, like yeah. Um. You know, it's.
1: Boy, you know. There's a lot of places, even like I said, this group, where there are some really good civilized discussions. Uh, There's a couple of them. uh, A good example is a a gentleman tonight commented on the video clip from last podcast, from episode four, and kind of corrected us on something in regard to the Lee and Tiffany thing, how we were talking about. um, And... uh, and it was really like, hey, great job, guys! But you missed something. This is it. And we're like, oh wow, thanks, yeah. man. I'm sorry, we didn't realize, didn't even realize we missed that. And uh, and it was c- completely civilized. Like yeah. it can be that way. It doesn't have to be, you know, insulting. People take things so personally. Yeah,
0: I, I'm I'm honestly so proud of the the community that comments on a lot of the content that, that we post. Absolutely, it, because it for the most part it is civilized. And, yeah, and and no one. You know, bashes me. Not yet, at least. But I, the the audience isn't huge. But you know, I, right. I'm sure it's coming. Well,
1: you know, and and if it does, it does, man. You know what yeah. I mean? You just pardon me, yeah. just shake it off because you're gonna get it. I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet. To be honest with you, it's just the way it is. I mean, I don't have a huge social media presence, and I've gotten my. You know, I've I've gotten into some you know spats with people where I usually just. I, I put my two cents in and that's the end of it. I don't, I don't spend any more energy on it, but, yeah. but I, I have a, I, I push a lot towards the conservation side. So right. that's kind of where it came from. You right. know, people who are just anti hunting period. Yeah. Uh, and you know, they just can't see the value of it. You know, that, and uh, that's a whole
0: other discussion. You know, <laughs> and, you know, you know, I, I, I shouldn't say that I've never gotten it because I actually have on Instagram when, um, I've had sponsored posts from Facebook that you can also run on Instagram mm. simultaneously. right? And uh, when that happens, I, I don't have any control over the audience that they choose right, right, to right, put right. the content in front of. Excuse me. And uh, I've had comments saying, you know, why is this showing up in my feed? How could you do this? That yeah. kind of thing. And I think I have it saved in my phone. Maybe I'll get around to posting it. But in those few instances, I've saved the conversations because it kind of comes down to me just explaining to them that, you know, this is the way I was raised. This is just my lifestyle. Right. You know, I'm sorry that you had to be subjected to it, but please just be open that, you know, not all people are the same. Not all people live their lives the same way. Right. 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 And just kind of be a little bit more open-minded and I, it's two or three times I've kind of had this discussion and it, Ended really positively. Right. Even if the person didn't say, "Oh, well, you know, now I get it," they say, "Oh, well, you know, okay, I understand." You know, and they said, "Oh, well, this guy isn't, you know, a barbarian. Right, like I right, just made right, him out right. to be," which is w- the effort that we should be making. You know, we're we're not one hundred percent agreed. One hundred percent agreed. We're, <laughs> we're not all hillbillies and barbarians and, right. and and savages just out to kill things. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just you know, it's a practical lifestyle. It is,
1: and it's a very and, it, and it's very relevant even in modern times, even in today. You know, it, there, sure. there's a, a certain level of relevance to it uh, that legitimizes why we're out there doing it. I mean, and again, some people are out there because their dad took them, and this is what they do. Yeah. That's as far past it as they see. You know, right. and that's fine. I could care less. Uh, you know, I, I wish more people would understand our role, if you will, uh, almost our responsibility. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I don't care. They're out there hunting. They're buying licenses. They're contributing. They're buying ammo. They're buying guns. All that stuff helps us in the long run. And uh, so, you know, if that's what you want to do, great. Uh, But, you know, I I wish more people would kind of learn a little bit more about the relevance of it so that when they're at their, you know, Thanksgiving dinner and, you know, Aunt Martha decides she wants to pick on you for killing those little Bambi deer and stuff right, like yeah. that. You have some ammunition to come back at yeah. them and, and not argue per se, but to educate. Just defend yourself. That's it. You and know, and you defend
0: know, what you believe in, and you should be able to do it in a somewhat intelligent manner.
1: Right, and that's it. And that's the perfect way to put a head on it. Um, you know, to to intelligently defend yourself and not yell. Well, it's just yeah, because yeah. I want to do it and I'm going to do it, and that's it well, that's not going to carry a whole lot of weight with somebody who's puffing their chest at you already. I
0: mean, you know, just be humble about what you do and, Mm -hmm. you know, be educated. Sure. And, you know, if you believe that it's the right thing and, you know, it's not really harming anyone, then you're okay. Sure. You know. Absolutely. You, You can never go wrong with doing the right thing or telling the truth. And, you know, that's kind of the short of that. But you know that i guess that you know that that almost transcends what we're talking about here you know that's a lesson that can be applied to life in general
1: right i mean along with that comes open mindedness you know mm-hmm. what i mean you can be set in your ways and you could be you know able to argue your side but you have to really be able to uh, open open your your thoughts to the opposition Right. You know uh, the the gun debate thing has been hot topic of late. Yeah. You know, with everything obviously going on, uh, a lot of line, lines being drawn right now. Yeah. Um, And you know, I have a very good friend of mine who's very well educated. He's a professor uh, at a university out near Boston, and um, he's you know staunch Democrat, left side of the aisle, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, anti. He's all about banning everything. And you know, the nice thing is, even though I'm completely opposite of the spectrum we can have a civilized conversation and I'll listen to his points. He listens to mine and we're still going to shake hands and, you know, over a beer because we haven't seen each other in so long because we're very, our, our friendship transcends the discussion, Mm -hmm. but the fact that we're open to each other, I learned a lot from him in regard to that topic that I never would have thought of because I'm kind of laser beamed on, you know, the the stats that support my argument versus right. really focusing too much on the stats that support his, um, granted, we're still not going to agree, but right. at least I learned a few things from him and he sure. learned a lot from me as well in, in regard to, you know, the, why do you need versus what's my right to have that kind of stuff. So, you know, you gotta, you gotta be open-minded and you definitely should, t-
0: you know, you, you will take something away from the argument. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm not, I'm not super political. I don't like discussing politics. It just—it's one of those things where it's just too far separated, and it just gets people arguing and it's yelling. And you know, I have my beliefs, but I'm not gonna force them down anyone's throat. That's it. That, yeah, it, I'm kind of the same. You way. know, I, I'm not gonna waste my breath. I, I've got better things to do than argue with people over something that honestly you have little control over. No, you're right. You know, right. And, so, I, and I'm not really smart enough to argue politics, to be honest with you. Yeah, that's the other I thing. I argue too, with the know. things
1: I'm passionate about, and I'll have a discussion. But if <laughs> I don't know about it, I'm just going to be like, "Yep, you know, you win." I don't, I don't, I can't tell you. I if, don't know.
0: If that's one thing I've learned from social media, it's if you don't know what you're talking about, you should not be arguing with it. Right. You know? that's
1: good to learn because conversely, it's uh, the opposite that holds true most of the time. If yeah. you have no idea what you're
0: talking about, well, get yourself a crate and stand on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that was an interesting discussion that, uh, you know, branched off in a bunch of different places, <laughs> yeah. but you know, I, th- I think that the short of it is, I wish that as a whole, as, as a community of hunters, we could at least be able to hear each other and just right. understand for a second, not just hard, no, hard, mm-hmm. no, I'm done. Right, right, I'm not right, right. listening to you anymore. It's just No. Mm-hmm. How about you listen to why, why I, I, I believe this, right. you know, a, a shotgun only season would benefit our deer herd. I think, Yeah. you know, and I could do research and tell you, tell you why, but if you're just going to tell me, no. Mm-hmm. Are you just going to stop there, or are you going to tell me why as well? Right, That's right, the right. discussion we need to
1: have. No, I agree 100%. You know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because, like I said, it comes back
1: to learning from each other. Yeah. You know, you might get an opinion from somebody who says no, and this is why, and go, okay, you know what, I never thought of it from that angle before. And you may, conversely, be able to convince somebody who just comes outright and says, how about no?
0: Yeah.
1: And you go, well, okay, well, what if this was considered? And, you know, and, and, it, and it rolls into a... A, a very you know constructive conversation to where you might get something done. Yeah. Uh, you know, but th- doing this this conversation that we have, this is an opportunity to get this out there because I'm, this has been getting some traction, man. You know, this podcast is um, the feedback I've been getting from it is the fact that we kind of and, and I this is not my words. Speak for others, because I mean that's not obviously what we're trying to do. We're trying to get our point across mm-hmm. and give an opinion, but we're trying to create a a, a bit of a uh, environment or a, right. a, a bit of a movement sure. towards let's uh, let's kind of help each other out. Sure, let's stay on the same team and let's listen to each other. Maybe we can learn something. yeah so doing this and for you to put this kind of stuff out there and, and stay consistent with it, I think is going to have an impact. And that's you doing your part yeah. for our community, so to speak. You know, if you will, um, I gotta stop saying that. <laughs> <laughs> if you will, if you will, yeah. Um, but it it definitely kind of uh, it, it maybe gives it somebody out there the hey, it's okay to do, be like this. I mean, a lot of people have, we talked about stubborn people. Yeah. I have uncles, man. You can't talk to them. Oh, I mean, everyone just, has that uncle. they're old school. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're old school, you know, and you just can't change their mind. So, you know, perception is reality. If that's what you grow up with and that's what you're used to, for someone to come out of, you know, out of, out of a podcast or out of a video or out of a, a Facebook post and say, you no, it's okay to consider the other side. Yeah. And they're like, okay, well, it is okay. You know what I mean, and right. that might make an impact on on a few people who otherwise would just give you that. How about no exclamation point, right. frowny face, right. thumbs down emoji, whatever. Um, so you know, doing this is 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 I think huge, especially now when there's so much access um, to to kind of sway that sway that argument a little yeah. bit and, and put people on the right track. I don't know if that's the right terminology, but um, kind of give everybody the okay to to be
0: considerate of others. Yeah, that's and I, I I think that. If somebody's listening to this that likes to engage on social media mm-hmm. and you are in a hunting group, before you fire back at somebody, just think that they're <laughs> a hunter too. Right. Just think about that. Yeah. And I think that that's really, if we could just start there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's how it starts. Mm-hmm. That's the first step we need to take. But I think that that's probably a good first half of this podcast. And I think it was... A little bit more than than half yeah but uh oh yeah how about you that know, that's <laughs> i i think that that's it's just it's such an important discussion that needs to be had i 100 percent agree you know, with we you man we, we need to be able to hear each other sure and not just hear each other but listen to each other oh, that's
1: it yeah that's, so, that's the trigger man is is listen to what each other is saying and, con, and, and consider it at least you don't have to agree with it no but at least consider it
0: yeah you know and, and it's 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 weird it's it's a it's a thing that we need to be conditioned on. Mm-hmm. And trust me, I, I see things all the time that I completely disagree with. Sure. But I'm not going to just immediately default to insulting that person. Right, right, right. There's no reason for it. We're, we're, we're here for the same thing. And sure. I, I know I've said that before on this podcast at some point. We're all ultimately here for the same thing. So the sooner we all realize that, the the better off we're going to be. Right. So... Let's wrap this half of it up. See how long we could ramble ramble on for the second right. half. After we uh, maybe crack open a fresh beer and talk about this new Ithaca beer that was super impressive. But we'll do that. We'll take a little break and come back and tell you all about it. Sounds so like a plan. Let's. Uh, start. <laughs> Okay, we're back. You're good. We
1: are back. Yep, we're set.
0: Your mic's recording.
1: We got that straightened out. Yep,
0: we're all good. We're back at it. But uh, let's start by uh, talking about the beer that we were drinking before. We're we're on to something new because the beer I bought was a four pack. It was Ithaca Brewing Company. It was called the Creeker. Creeker, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, you'd think four would be enough. No, not for us. <laughs> um yeah, it was uh I was surprised by it at how good it actually was. Yeah, you said uh, you never had it before, right? It's your first time trying it? Yeah, first time I ever had it. Um Ithaca is to me at least, I'm mean, I'm gonna sound inexperienced There, you know, I I'm, I'm sure there's gonna be some uh beer connoisseurs out there who are gonna give me some crap. Beg but to differ? Yeah. Uh, to me, Ithaca was one of the original—I don't know—craft brewers, and I, I know that there's probably tons of people who were doing it before them. But when when I turned 21, um, that was like the first craft beer that that I got to try. It was uh, Ithaca Flower Power, right? And it's it's still one of my favorite IPAs. Mm-hmm. Really good, and I've had a couple from them since then that didn't live up to Flower Power. But this one, this it's creaker. It's a it's a weird weird name for a beer. But it's a double IPA. It's nine percent. I'm not sure the IBUs on it, which uh is something we were gonna talk about because we, we're we're saying IBUs all the time, and I'm not sure if everyone understands what that means, but it it's uh it's basically a rating system for the bitterness of a beer. Right, IBU right. stands for Internal Bitter Units. Yeah, I had to Google that. It's the <laughs> units of bitterness. Um, that, this beer, uh, I'm going to guess that this beer is probably like 80, 85. Okay. That's just a guess. And
1: where does it I, start and where does it end? Like, what's the range?
0: That I'm so not like sure. 60 I, to 100 I, it, or something no, like that? I or? think it, it's zero because I, uh, like, I'm pretty sure that... Uh, like some stouts are very low IBUs, they're not very bitter. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Um, let me see if I could bring up. Uh, yeah,
1: because I, I I wasn't sure either, you know what I mean? After I think the first podcast that I did with you, you you'd mentioned IBUs, and, and I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to look it up later, you know what I mean? And then I'm like, 1 well, to that 100. might be pretty relevant. Oh, it is 1 to 100, okay. But uh, pretty relevant I've... piece of information if, you, if, you, if you're just now getting into the uh, different craft beers and yeah. the, uh, especially the IPAs. Because they can really be uh, pretty tough.
0: Yeah. Uh, IBU also stands for International Biathlon Union. Oh, how about that? Which is not what we're talking about. That's No, not my that's beer. definitely something no. I know nothing about. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm, I want to look up the Krieger double IPA real quick and see how close I came to guessing the, uh, the IBU. So what was your I, guess, 85? 85, maybe right. somewhere in there uh t- t- we
1: have i gotta say drinking them out of a glass like this that helps uh yeah. it makes the beer more enjoyable yeah for sure what would um, you is there a name I and mean, i've had pilsner glasses all over my house uh this would be is it a snifter i don't know what would you even call that
0: i i, I don't know i guess it's guess just like a chalice yeah maybe, for those who are but but without th- the visual yeah it's a pretty sexy looking glass this is, this is what i i like to drink uh you know, craft beer out of yeah, yeah.
1: It definitely it it adds a little bit of a touch. I gotta be honest with you. Now I find myself where I used to just drink out of a bottle at home. I'm drinking out of a glass at my house. Yeah,
0: I I'm not big on drinking IPAs out of the bottle. Uh, some of the the newer IPAs, it seems like anymore, uh, the canning process has gotten so good that it's actually better to drink them out of the can, like some of them are canned in the the like 16 ounces. Yeah. Yeah. And that just seems to keep them fresher for some reason. Um, I can't find the IBUs on this beer. It's, it just says 9% ABV available year round. We're just going to go with 85 then. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's pretty smooth. I think Uh, it's, it's citrusy Mm -hmm. and the first thing that we know is as soon as we opened it, yeah, you could smell we it. We were smelling it, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it definitely has a lot of aroma to it.
1: I, I, it's got it's different though. I mean, again, I I'm not I'm not a big beer connoisseur, but you know that it, it definitely has a, I wouldn't say a milder flavor because it definitely has that you know that uh, IPA bite to it. Yeah, uh, as a finish, which they, most of them do, they kind of finish with that little bite. Uh, but this is uh Definitely, uh, again, hard to put my finger on it, but the, the fruitiness, uh, if that's even a really good way of putting it, yeah it comes through. I was We were talking earlier about an, an IPA I had recently that I, I really did not care for at all, and uh, that was just all bite. There yeah. was, really wasn't a whole lot of body to it at all. And uh, So when you start, you don't realize how good an IPA is, I think, until you had a bad one. Right. And then you can go yeah. back and go, oh, okay, I get it now.
0: Yeah. You know? I mean this one is it's so smooth i mean actually right right now we're on we're on to a different stone that's right, right. actually also excellent one of, one of my favorites currently but uh yeah i i'm on ithaca's site now and i can't find the ibus on mm. the creaker but i could read some things about it nine percent uh two row malt citra columbus simcoe centennial cascade mosaic hops dry hopped with simcoe that's a, that's a lot Centennial. going on there. Uh, recommended food pairings. Accentuates hot and spicy cuisine like Indian and Thai curries or Mexican. I can see that. Yeah. Just the like the, the citrusy aspect of it. But, yeah, as far as the IBUs, I'm going to say that it, it's probably about 85. It, it's pretty mild. It's yeah. not super bitter. Like, you, you know, you get some of those really intensely hoppy beers. It It's hoppy. And also balanced with the citrus in a a really good manner for being a a 9% double IPA. Right, right. Yeah, it definitely can be dangerous. Smooth and drinkable. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. I mean, we drank two of them in a a pretty uh, short amount of time. Yeah. (laughs) uh, And actually, now we're on to Stone's Inevitable Adventure, which is another double IPA. Another really good beer. That was my first uh, foray into the uh, world
1: of IPAs and craft beers was the Stone IPA, their original IPA. mm -hmm. And I was a big fan. I mean, right from the get-go, I was like, man, this is a whole new world. Yeah. Uh, So that's my favorite beer by far now is any
0: kind of IPA. I I think that the Stone Inevitable Adventure, I bet that the IBUs are a little bit higher. I bet that this is in the 90s. Let's let's see if I could... uh, i could find this one I'm, I'm really you know putting a lot of pressure on my palate right
1: now <laughs> hey i do the same way with food you know what yeah.
0: i mean I'm a, I'm a bit of a i hate to even
1: use the term foodie anymore but foodie yeah yeah it's nothing uh, that's, wrong with that no nah, man that's There's nothing it. wrong I, with liking good food i've got a very uh, little uh, a very unique palate when what i like to eat and uh not afraid to blend weird stuff together yeah. so yeah i just love to eat
0: yeah, uh, I'm pretty with much you. It shows uh
1: <laughs> especially in the off season.
0: Yeah. The this uh the inevitable adventure by Stone is eighty four IBUs. Okay, all right. So what, what did I say? Like ninety maybe? Yeah. I think that's what I just said. Oh boy, I can't remember. You have I said. to backtrack and record, man. <laughs> Check the recording. <laughs> well, we'll just I'll just edit that out. But yeah, <laughs> this is eighty four. I'm I'm thinking Krieger might be a little less. I don't know. I wish that they would let me know. That's mm-hmm. that's one thing that I definitely judge beer on too is the packaging if they're gonna give me some statistics on it i like seeing the the abv and the ibus on it uh a date on it is usually nice you know stone is big with that they they date all their beer i love it but uh yeah so that's uh your little dose of definitely
1: recommend either of the two they're very good from a guy who's not a huge connoisseur of it uh, it's tasty. You know what I mean? It, you know, when you get into something a little bit different, if you're looking to try something different or something a little bit more unique, uh, or even if you are a big fan of the IPAs, yeah, I mean, every beer that we've tried so far, even if you go back and listen through to the,
0: the first, second, third, fourth podcast, they've all been good. Uh, and the one thing I will say about IPAs is that the first time I had one, like I said, it was Ithaca Flower Power. Mm-hmm. I took a sip and I said, whoa, no, that's, that's not good. That's not for me. <laughs> you need to take at least two sips of a beer y- to, agree. to actually understand the flavor in it. Because the second sip is 100% going to be different than the first one. The first and, one's going to smack you in the mouth. Yeah. And then your palate's going to change for a minute. Yeah. And, and the, the beer is going to breathe. And then it's it's going to be different.
1: And it's definitely a sipping beer. It's not something you want to go dropping down a funnel. Right.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you could if you want. want, To each zero. Don't
1: recommend it. Uh, It's definitely good stuff, um, but it it, it carries a little weight. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you know where we're at now. This is definitely preferable. (laughs) Literally and physically. And physically, yeah. I
0: I need to drop some weight because of these beers. Yeah. Yeah. They're so caloric. That's that's the only downside. You know you. These other beers out there now, they're like, I don't know, what what, what is, uh, like, the Michelobes, their, their thing Ultra. right now is, like, what like Ultra. Two, two net carbs or something like that. Yeah. I looked up uh, Nugget Nectar the other day. I was having one. I was just curious. Mm-hmm. 15 net carbs <laughs> in one Nugget It's nectar. worth it, though. Yeah. It's uh, worth it. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It, it really is because, I mean... You know, I, I'm not gonna knock light beers or, or, you know, the the domestics, the the normal mm-hmm. stuff. I yeah. mean, you know, if that's if, that, if that's all that's there, I'm I'm gonna drink it. Trust yeah, me.
1: Backyard backyard barbecues, get a little Yingling Lager going on. Yeah, uh, if I'm playing cornhole, Miller all day, Light or something. You
0: know. Yeah, you definitely don't want to be drinking uh, no.
1: IPAs all day. No, this isn't gonna be
0: an all day drinking. beer, no. but. For what we're doing right now, sitting around, you know, having one or two or three or five. Having a good conversation. (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely
1: a little bit of an inspirational uh, nectar, if you will. It's pretty good
0: stuff. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, and it's fun because there are so many different flavors out there. And and just actually the science behind brewing beer has really grabbed me lately because there's – you just need to do a little bit of variation in in this in the brewing process it totally changed the flavor right. it, it's most beers are brewed with a sixty minute schedule, which is like a sixty minute boiler boil excuse me and it all depends on what hops you add when you add them and how long you end up boiling them for how long you saturate them it's, right, right it's wild you you yeah, it's just a get process, an, huh? an unlimited amount of combinations and flavors and Right now that's my my little uh study project that nice. I've, I've been looking up. I, I think I'm going to start brewing a little bit of beer. So well, maybe by next year we'll be uh
1: sipping on a little Sons of the Hunt IPA. Yeah. Uh. Soth IPA. <laughs> there that's you go. What I'm it. But uh yeah, there there's your uh
0: your your a little, little education on yeah. the uh the the IPA market. Yeah. And uh that's our craft beer segment for this episode. Dig it. We'll, uh, we'll get back to the, uh, cheers. <laughs> yeah. Cheers. <laughs> we'll get back to our bread and butter here. Uh, we'll, uh, the way we could transition into this is, I think it was this past week. I, I, I put up a post, uh, about my release Right. And, and it's something I've been thinking about and I was, I was sitting in, in my shop the other day, I got a little workshop going and I was looking at my release and I was thinking, wow. I've had this release since I graduated from my first bow. My first bow, I was six, it was, like, a high country. And the release that I used to use with that was, like, a crack shot, I think it was called. It was, like, a black release, and it was kind of like a finger release. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It had a little button on the top. Yeah, yeah, a little thumb button. Yep, yep, I'm familiar with it, yeah. And after I went on to my next bow, that's when... My dad bought me a, a True Ball. I don't even know the model of it. It just, you know, it or straps around your wrist and it's got a pretty long stem on it, mm-hmm. and it's just caliper release it, and it always stays closed until you pull off. Sure. So the spring constantly keeps it closed, and that's just what I'm used to. Right. It's the only release I have, which I'm a little embarrassed to say because. The you know, the, the the most ready people always say, how, how does the saying go? That one is none, one two is, none is one. is none, and two yeah. is one. Yeah. And uh, the only reason that I've never lost it is because it literally straps to my body. Mm-hmm. And that's the only reason that I, I haven't lost it. Yeah, I,
1: I, I, I'm the same way, man. Mine's always, from the time I get out of the truck and get my bow out, that, that releases on my wrist. Because I've forgotten it you know now i've i've learned carry a spare and i always carry a spare in my jacket um it's not the exact same release however it's a release i'm comfortable with i've had it for a long time it's what the release i started with honestly i can't even remember the name of it it's like a twenty dollar cheap little caliper release but it was something and it worked you know what i mean it
0: worked well you practice Um, with it uh no i i really don't i probably should and and i could see like like in an emergency situation if you if you got in the tree and you're all set and, it, and yeah. things are quieting down, and you're like, oh, my God, my release is not yeah. here. If you pulled it out, I w- I'd probably be okay with... Well, that's it. I've yeah. shot it
1: before. It's not like I would never. I took it out of the package and shoved it in my jacket. Right. I mean, I'd used right. it for for years uh, in the past, but uh, it, I should still get it out every once in a while and shoot with it. Uh, but it, similarly, I, I have a Scott. I want to say it's a Rhino, uh, but I've had that since 2004. Yeah,
0: somebody uh, recommended a, a Scott on that post. And I was looking at it, and it looks pretty good because it, it's the wrist strap. Mm-hmm. But then it's kind of like a finger release, and from the wrist strap, it looks like the release is held down by like a little piece of paracord, maybe mm-hmm. or something like that.
1: Yeah, I've seen a few of them like that. Yeah, I don't; th- those ones aren't my aren't my bag. Uh, I I know some couple guys that use them, and they swear by them. Yeah, uh, mine's more like more like your true ball. You know yeah. what I mean? It has that solid little. Uh, bar, if you will, that goes to the uh, to where your caliper would be in your trigger, right? Um, and Velcro release, which I, I kind of prefer the buckle because of the noise situation. Yeah. But you know, it like I said, I put a mine on at the truck. I climb my tree stand with it. I make more noise climbing my tree stand with it than I yeah. ever would putting a buckle on it.
0: See, I could see myself moving some way and having that catch. And just
1: <sighs> yeah, I've never had that happen. Um, but you know, the thing is, it's wearing out because I've had it for so long it's all frayed out and stuff like that still holds on pretty well but you know this last last season i started to really consider okay i need to kind of maybe look at a new release you know it's it's a lot easier to upgrade my bow than it is to upgrade my release
0: yeah i mean i feel like like a release is like a like your glove for like if you were playing baseball
1: sure it's an intimate connection to the whole ordeal You know what I mean? I mean,
0: it it, it could be old, beat up, but yeah, you know, it is what it is. your release. Like that that is, that's where all your feel is. Yep.
1: That's it. It kind of goes along the same lines as
0: the the whole hunting knife. You know what I mean? (laughs) You keep that in your bag for 20 years, you know? Yeah. And I think that the, the reason that everyone, you know, transitioned to like the back tension and the thumb release Mm -hmm. was you're getting a more pure release, I guess you Mm -hmm. would say, you know, it. Everyone always says, you, you know, you don't really want to know when the bow is going to go off. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You'll be more accurate. But I feel like I've manipulated my release to the point where I, I've I've got one finger not even wrapped around it, just touching it, mm-hmm. and I'm still using it the same way. I'm still pulling through with my back muscles to the point that it's going off. So, I mean, I don't know if I'm just manipulating it into that, you know, same manner that a, a tension release would be used in, but... In a it's, sense,
1: yeah. You know, I try to get into back t- – I shot a lot of competition years ago, and I try to get into the back tension because I had a lot of pressure. You have to learn how to use that. It's it's a lot of work. I mean, especially when you come up and you set your foundations on a caliper-style release. You know, I, I didn't have a lot of formal training. I get into – I shot fingers when I started. You know what yeah. I mean? And um, that was hard. Because yeah. you can only shoot so many shots before you're like, all right, my hand's killing me. Yeah, I got to take, a, start take a break for a couple of days. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, I was it was very my my introduction to archery was very informal. Um, my buddy of mine had an old bow in a case that he just kept moving from place to place with, and just kept it. Never really shot it. Yeah. showed it to me. I started messing around in the basement with it one day, and I was hooked. And that's where it began. But so it was very informal how I got introduced to it. But as I started to kind of get my own equipment. You know my own my first bow my first really good compound bow, um, and my first release. I, I didn't want to change releases, because um, it, it was more like a double caliper. You know you have like, like that jaw style. Right. Um. The the one I really I use now they call it the Rhino because it almost looks like a rhino horn. It only has one sided caliper, so it it's pretty like much made to hook onto yeah. a uh, D loop. You yeah. know. And uh, I absolutely love it. It's so sensitive that in, in, in a similar fashion, you know, I've, I've adjusted the way I shoot to that. Mm-hmm. So I know when that it's, it's, you know, they say you're not supposed to know what's going to go off. No, right. I know exactly when that release is going to go off mm-hmm. because I, and again, some of the more traditional fundamental shooters out there might balk at it, but um, you know, I wouldn't say it punched the trigger, yeah. but I definitely have an active movement to initiate, to engage that trigger. So, I know when my arm's moving, I can anticipate where the bow is going to be, not where it is, but where right. it's going to be, and that's when I punch that trigger off and and I do pretty well yeah um, yeah man, and it's it's like that that real intimate connection to everything through your yeah. release that makes it very difficult yeah, to switch that up.
0: understanding your equipment and being comfortable and confident with it I mean uh, that that's what makes it an ar- accurate archer 100 I mean, percent.
1: I I can take my release and grab a stranger's bow as long as it's relatively close to my draw length Mm -hmm. and shoot okay with it. But if I took somebody else's release and put it on my bow, I'm going to struggle. Yeah. The last few (laughs) years. I don't know why that is, but. Yeah.
0: The last few years, me and my dad have actually practiced shooting each other's bows in case something ever happened. Right, right, right. I I needed to take his. Not a bad idea. Yeah. I mean, it's good to have something like that if you've got, you know, somebody you're close with that you hunt with.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, if Especially if you plan on making a trip out to Colorado or something like yeah. that. You know Yeah, what yeah. I mean? you who, might who, have to.
0: Who knows what happens in a situation like that? You know, and imagine being out there and, and being rendered bowless. All oh, of a man. sudden, can't right? imagine. So uh, that's a pretty big credit card purchase to be <laughs> heading for the nearest six pack shop. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah,
1: that's a tough one. Um, you know, having a backup is nice. You yeah. know what I mean. If you could, but having a backup release, I think is is pretty clutch.
0: Yeah, yeah. and I and I think that. Uh I don't think I I'm I'm gonna do it this year. I'm gonna bring another one with me. I'm gonna actually contact Trubone and see if I can just get the same release. Yeah. I d I don't think that they make this specific one. That's the one. thing I, the they issue make, I'm in. They make something similar, I'm sure, but that release it's it's unbelievable. Like mm. it it I'm talking pre two thousand and seven, so over ten years Mm-hmm. This release, that spring is still so strong. Right, you know. I mean, a lot of times you're sitting in the stand, you're fidgeting around, and
1: mm-hmm.
0: I'll take the release and I'll just I'll like open it up and clip it on your lip or something, or just to, to feel. It is strong still. Yeah, like yeah. It, it, there's nothing failing in that release, and I mean, w- there's there's no better you know testament to the the durability of their products than that. I mean, I I've shot a lot. It's gone through two bows right and that's outlasted the bows so sure I that's mean, what I
1: mean you know you, uh, a release will usually out you know and, and again personally I don't know some people it might be different um, but you know I, I've used that release for a long time and I, I went and actively started to look for it now it's the Rhino XT so it's a little different it's like a big knurled trigger yeah you know which I don't think would bother me too much it wouldn't take long to get used to it but it's hard to give up on something that you're so comfortable
0: with right you know? yeah and that's just it I mean I feel like there's there probably better technology out there as far as releases go. I know that what is uh, the big name right now that everyone says you got to have one. Is it a, a Stan? A oh, yeah. This, you know.
1: But they've always been big in the Target. Target, yeah. Yeah, uh,
0: a lot of those. Uh,
1: Stan, uh, Carter, they make yeah. a lot of releases that are more Target-oriented. They, more they expensive. really are. Uh, but again, that that there's a demographic out there that's okay with paying for it as long as they feel it's quality. Yeah, and that goes with anything. Um, but yeah, you know, I, the thing with with any release is it has to be a hunting oriented release and the reason i say that is a good friend of mine shoots a back tension release no actually i don't think it was a back tension it was like a thumb release but it was the back tension style right and his
0: release froze on him this year really and he missed a shot because his release froze i've seen one of them taken apart Mm -hmm. and the the mechanics inside that thing are just unreal Mm -hmm. it is just a mess of gears and little springs and it it, it, yeah
1: yeah he could not get that release to go off and i i I apologize i I misspoke not froze it rusted so the inside of the release rusted to where it would not it would not go off i mean he was yanking on it pulling on it in fact he was trying to shoot a predator and uh, he could not
0: get the boat to go off well thank god
1: and uh yeah it was a a bad scene for him he was not happy because it was not a cheap release no And, uh, I'm like, man, I've had the same release for, you know, 2004 was that it's coming up on 14 years. I've had this release and I've never had a problem with it. And I hunt in some cold weather. I was hunting the same day he did. And, uh, I'm sure it's been soaked. Oh, it's been soaked. It's been wet. I mean, that you saw the footage from my turkey hunt last year. Yep. I sat in so, solid downpour rain for close to three and a half hours. Mm-hmm. It was definitely three hours, over three hours that I was in absolute downpour. My, I lost a cell phone that day. It was so wet that my yeah. cell phone got trashed and my release came out the other side, no problem. So yeah. you know, it, it has to be geared towards that. To take a, a high-end target release out in the woods, it's not made for that. And and uh, any kind of foul weather, I think, is going to take a toll on it.
0: Yeah, and that that brings up um, kind of one of the things that I live by, as far as m- how I look at bow hunting equipment. I I always wanted to have the most practical hunting setup right. that you can have. So I I I know I've been in in conversations with people about the whisker biscuit mm-hmm. people telling me oh that's not the most ideal rest you could have blah 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 well i'll tell you what that arrow does not move it's right there right as far as a hunting setup you cannot beat that i would agree and with you know what? i'm from pennsylvania and i'm dug in and i'm not changing my mind <laughs> on because that is that that's the hunting release <laughs> or that, that's the hunting rest. And it, and it is. And, and,
1: and I agree. And, and to kind of add on that a little bit, it is a hunting rest. Um, yeah. If you start to shoot a lot, it puts a beating on your veins. Oh, yeah. Because I had a one. I had a, a whisker biscuit. The reason I got away from it is because I shot so frequently mm-hmm. that I was refletching my arrows every season. Yeah. Because it started to eat up my veins. Yeah. So, you know, you, got, you have to kind of – know what your plans are for if you're going to shoot a lot may not be appropriate for you give it a shot you know because again it's a small trade-off if you do your own arrows some people you could take it Mm -hmm. into a shop drop them off and they'll refletch your arrows for you and uh it's not hard to do so most shops are good at it right and they can knock out a pretty you know high volume i have two fletching jigs up until literally last season i had one so doing a dozen arrows takes a while. Takes forever. Yeah. yeah. But it's like I'll throw. I'll sit down and watch a movie with my wife and throw them on the coffee table and I'll knock one out every, you know, depending on the kind of glue you use. Right. Sometimes it takes five minutes, three to five minutes for each flush to dry. They have the instant stuff out there now where immediately, you know, you put it on there, it's dry yeah. in 10 seconds, you can move right. to the next one, uh, which is great. Um, so if you do your own stuff, which, you know, I would I would recommend because it just gives you that extra level of, uh, I hate to keep using the word intimacy to it, but it really kind of gets you in
0: the, the, the mode of having control over that, everything you do. That's that's one of the things that's driving me towards wanting to work on my own equipment because then there's no one else to blame. Absolutely. And, you know, if something you know, goes wrong, well, that I, I screwed it up. It's my fault. I do as much as I can. The only yeah. thing holding me back is
1: I, have, I don't have a bow press. That's right. And they're not cheap, first of all, and no. now with these parallel limbs... Then now they've really even gotten more expensive. Most bows out there now have parallel limbs and or beyond parallel, as they call them. Once right. you're at full draw, yeah, um, and that creates a bit of a, a a problem with you know the older style bow presses. You have to have right. one that's compatible with that type of limb design. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not they're not cheap, but no. you, you, I don't see the going any further than where they're at now. So
0: you right. Know, right. invest right. in right. one
1: now will probably last you a good decade or so. Yeah. But that's a big jump.
0: Yeah, yeah that's a yeah for sure. I mean, that's that's kind of my next step right now. I'm I'm gonna start investing in in you know, some shop equipment. Right, I'll right. call it mm-hmm. you know, arrow saw. Start cutting my own arrows and whatnot. Well, it's great because you have control over that. I mean, yeah.
1: sometimes you rely if you have a good relationship with a shop, that's priceless. If right. you go into a guy who you don't know them and they're just like, oh, you need a couple arrows cut, all right, it's going to, you know, they know they're only going to make five bucks off you that day. Yeah. They might just whack them off and now you're, oh, that was a terrible <laughs> term.
0: <laughs> <laughs> a little Freudian slip. Yeah. You, uh, they Watch just bang them out. Both shop owners Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh,
1: then you, you know, you have burrs on the inside of the arrow. Yeah. You know, there's things that kind of come yeah. with it. So if, if the more you can do on your own, the more time you take. You know, it's 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 cost effective in the long run. Right. I love building my own arrows. Yeah. It's it's not a, a pain for me. It's
0: it's soothing for me. It's, yeah. It's you know it, it's the guy I work with just said the exact same thing the other day. Mm-hmm. He said he just likes to build his own arrows. Yeah. He I enjoy it. it. Yeah. It's yeah. A, it's a lot of fun.
1: You know. And now that I have two jigs, it it goes a lot a lot faster. And and uh, I mean, there's and there's a lot of uh, inexpensive jigs out there yeah. Um, you know so I like the Bits and Burgers they're a little more expensive but they're super accurate you can really dial them into the offset you want you yeah. can buy different clamps so you can do all kinds of helicals and stuff that's and, the name right And that's the and that, that's jigs. like yeah Bits and Burgers yeah. the, the, the top the dog you know um, but again you know you can get a used one that's what I did I bought a used one out of Bow Hunter Superstore last year when I was down there they sold yeah. me one that they use to fletch their arrows they sold me one for 50 bucks they're usually about eighty, ninety dollars, yeah. which is a lot of money for a fletching, a fletching jig. But I yeah. take it pretty seriously, and yeah. I was fletching all my own competitive arrows and stuff like yeah. that. So I put the money into it. You can buy a a Jojan for, you can get a, a set of probably three to six of them for fifty bucks. Yeah. You know what I mean?
0: So, yeah, and and they'll do the job just as well. I'm right. just a you know a, a picky guy. That's all. Yeah, I mean, nothing wrong with, you know. Keeping attention to detail, right, right, especially in this situation. Yeah,
1: you know? you know, and that's one of my things that I lean on heavily are my arrows. You know what I mean? I put yeah. a lot. I put I, I, a lot of confidence comes from my quality of arrow. Uh, right. Outside of you know other things, but you know to to be able to put the work into it yourself, it, it, that's valuable. You know, sure. and you feel better about what your what the end product is. You right. know, I've actually had people do work on my stuff and I get it back and and in my opinion it's subpar and I'm disappointed. Right. If I did it myself and I'm disappointed, that's my problem. Mm-hmm. So to be able to do as much as you can, yeah, I highly recommend that. Uh, yeah. You know, you get a lot more out of it, and it gives you that that greater connection to, you know, the
0: whole process. You know. Yeah. Well, that that's kind of like my next step here. I'm starting to look at equipment, and uh, the first thing I, I'm I'm gonna buy is an, an arrow saw. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at them at on a uh, Cabela's right now. A couple of gift cards, so anyone out there listening has uh any recommendations (laughs) as to which one i should go with it looks like the only thing i see as far as a difference between them right now is just rpms of like the motor right yeah i'm I'm assuming you want the faster one is probably going to give you a cleaner cut
1: yeah pretty much yeah uh i've seen guys make them out of uh dremel yeah. tools you know yep. what i mean uh but you know to, i think apple archery makes some pretty good quality stuff they make uh, a lot of the bow presses and the app the saws and stuff like that
0: and um, i know that uh dave fazio uh at his shop he has a foot pedal rigged up to his oh that's cool yeah, it, yeah. it's nice because i've cut arrows down at his shop with that foot and that's nice and that thing gets cranking
1: yeah. and they they get a little dirty though yeah. You know, you start, especially when you start cutting carbons. Yeah. You get a little dusty, but you know, you can even have ones that you can hook up a little mini shop back to it. Yeah. And you click that on when you're cutting arrows and you have no problem at all.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, but now you're getting into it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm sure, well, I'm sure I'll get sucked yeah. in just like everything, all my other. Long little... gone are the days of the aluminum shafts and the hacksaws. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No more, but yeah, that, that's something I'm, I'm looking forward to getting into. You know, I, I've I've spent, a, you know, a fair amount of time down at Dave's watching him set up bows, mm-hmm. he set up my bow and, you know, I I've learned a thing or two here, but I mean there's endless information on the internet. Oh, absolutely. As far as, you know, learning how to do something like you know, there's videos you could build an entire house on the internet. If you YouTube <laughs> university, man. YouTube I remod- university. i remodeled the whole bathroom off of YouTube. Yeah, I mean embrace it. The the information's out there, so I mean, once I get moving along with that, I'll probably have a bunch of content to sure you know, to center around that. But uh, I think that that's a pretty good conversation to be had: how to be self-sufficient as far as your own equipment goes. You know, that's it. Like I said, I I
1: hate relying. Not that I hate it. I I just I prefer to rely on my own skill set mm-hmm. than to take my bow to somebody and then get it back and go.
0: Hmm. That actually. Uh, I just had this conversation this week. Somebody, a uh, 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 former coworker of my mother's sent me a text this week. His son is involved in competitive archery. Okay. He's not an archer at all. He wanted to buy a bow. He was asking me some questions about, you know, recommendation of this mm-hmm. bow, that bow. And uh, uh-huh. he said, oh, I almost, I almost bought this bow from Field and Stream the other night. And he said, what do do you think about it? And I said, I think you should check out, you know, go to Dave and see what what he has. He has both those bows there. Yeah. And uh, he texted me a day later. He said, I'm so glad you told me to go to check Dave out first he said dave's amazing he had all kinds of insight for me he he had me shooting he said it was like a baseball sized group at 20 yep. yards he said i'm he, he never shot a bow before right 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 so dave had him grouping a baseball at you know 20 yards yeah there's right a lot the to be bat. said for someone who knows what the heck they're talking about and and on top of that there's there's an intangible there where you know you make a connection with the person who put your bow together it's almost right. like a service warranty. Sure. My dad has known Dave. They, they went to high school together. Right. So, I mean, he has a long, you know, rapport with Dave. I can't remember exactly the year, but we hunted the morning, me and my dad. And uh, I don't know if it was lowering his bow or, or bringing it up the tree. He looked at his sight. All his pins were bent. Mm-hmm. So he go, he he got on the phone, called up Dave, had it fixed, we hunted in the afternoon. Right. That's something you're not gonna get if you go to Field and Stream. Absolutely. You're not gonna be able to right. call up Field and Stream on a whim and say, Can you please come down to the shop? And I know that at Field and Stream, Dicks, Gander Mountain, their archery shop is like rarely open. Right. I've wa- I, I've been there before in a pinch just to grab like some some feathers or something, mm-hmm. and, and there's just no one there. Sure. You know? Yeah. The, you know, the new field and stream in our area is a little bit better. Um,
1: but, uh, you know, the what a lot of people don't realize also, and, and this comes from working in the field for a while, is um, you have to be an authorized dealer to be able to offer higher quality bows to the general public. So right. if you go to field and stream, for instance, and you look at a bear bow uh, for the brand, like Fred Bear, the, right. the brand bear, um, you're not going to get – you can't – really sell their signature their right. flagship bows. You have to go to an authorized dealer for that. Same thing with Matthews. You're never going to see a Matthews bow right. in a field and stream or a Cabela's. You're not going to see a high end Hoyt. You right. might see one of their low quality, you know, what, what, consumer grade. Consumer model, yeah. You know, in, in but like PSE is the same thing. You're going to see consumer grade bows. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not going to see their flagship bows there right. because they understand that if they're going to put out, if you're going to spend 1200 bucks on a bow, you don't want some teenage kid who's, you know, working there after high school. Again, yeah. no, all due respect to those teenage kids who know what the heck they're doing, but few of them do. You know, right. you know, Dick's was a bad one before they became, you know, before yeah. they opened the Field and Stream because yeah. you go to the archery shop and the guy you're talking to was selling sneakers the day before. Right. Or he was yeah. selling weight benches yeah. or setting up. Ten-speed bicycles, you yeah. know what I mean. So, there was no real consistency there. Uh, to go to a pro shop, you, th- th- like you said, that intangible. I mean, you're you're getting um, not only a relationship with somebody who knows what they're doing, but you're going to be dealing with somebody who has a passion for what they're doing. Otherwise, right. they wouldn't be doing that. Right. And that's that's priceless. When yeah. you can have somebody just tell you, move your anchor point a little bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Move your anchor point. Bend that left elbow, you know, bring that right bell elbow up a little bit, shift your weight back, and boom, you're nailing them. Yeah. And it's to, to have a trained eye to pick that up. Yeah. You're not going to get that in these big box stores. It's yeah. just not going to happen. And, and if you do, man, it's a rarity. So yeah. hold on to it.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, enough cannot be said about, you know, pro shop owners and, and the, their technical skills that they they possess. Because, Mom and pop's the way to go with that, man, no doubt. I mean, first of all, they, they have an entrepreneurial spirit that they're running their own business. I mean, first of all, you're running your own business. You're a certain kind of person. Right. And more often than not, you're a person I'm going to want to do business with. I'm going to, you know, if you, <laughs> if you're willing to dedicate your entire life to it, there's a good chance mm-hmm. you probably know what you're doing, and that's it. And the people who are more than not entrepreneurial
1: spirit are are more personable, yeah. You know because they're relying on their personality to get you to come back and buy your arrows, to buy your release, to buy whatever it is you need. Hey, you need a new rest? I've got rests. Yeah, I can easily go to right. whatever big box place, pick up a rest, a site, whatever. Um, but I'm gonna have to put that on myself,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: or I'm gonna pay somebody twenty bucks to slap two screws into my riser. Right. You know, and it's it's unfortunate. You know, you go to a guy who you've bought your bow from, you bought most of your equipment, you go in there because you need, you got bent pins, you need a right. new site. Come on, man, I'll hook you up. Just go on. Don't worry about it. I'll see you next time. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. You get a lot of that, yep. you know? So, yeah, I, I can't speak highly enough of the uh, actual pro shops. Yeah. These mom and pop people who make a livelihood of it. You know, we think we make a livelihood of it just being in the woods. Right. These guys eat, sleep, and breathe it. Yep.
0: Yeah, you really, like, like I said, you just can't say enough about it. Absolutely. I mean, it's. Yeah,
1: yeah. Highly recommend anybody who's in archery or looking to get into it, skip the dicks, skip the field and stream, go find your local pro shop. There's going to be one somewhere near you. Yeah. Especially in the Northeast. Yeah. You know, you can't a... throw a rock without hitting one around here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's plenty of really solid shops out there. Do your homework, do your research, talk to somebody, you know, find out who they use and and you won't be sorry. Yeah. You won't be sorry. You'll definitely uh it it'll benefit you tremendously to get with somebody who knows what they're doing.
0: Yeah. Sounds solid advice. I agree. Hmm. But I think that that pretty much is going to wrap us up for uh for this week. We were once again all over the place, you know. We 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 a had a moral dilemma in the first half yeah. and then, <laughs> and then we got into the technical archery side in the second half and we went off on a little craft beer rant for a little bit. Indeed, just typical SOTH stuff. It, you know, it's good stuff though. I, it's,
1: I, I feel like it's pretty relevant information. So, uh, you know, hopefully, you all do. And again, you know, this this episode four was great. The feedback we got was tremendous yeah. uh, of from all the episodes. But, you know, you guys hear anything you like, please don't hesitate to let us know because uh, you know. Yeah. we've like to hear what you guys have that
0: what your input is yeah if you hear anything you don't like tell us anyway by all means yeah Yeah, because uh we're both from pennsylvania and we'll tell you you're wrong that's right and and that's uh, and that's that (laughs) so i think we're gonna wrap it up um i'm super pleased with this episode you know uh you could follow us i don't think that we plug our social media enough i i've I forget Jay's Instagram tag. Jrodney7. Jrodney7. I'm just at Sons of the Hunt. You're probably already on our Facebook, which is facebook.com slash Sons of the Hunt. That's it. It's good stuff, man. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Check us out. Follow us around there. We're all over. So once again, a big thank you to all of you who are listening. Couldn't do this without you. Appreciate it. And we will catch you in episode six. Thanks. We'll see you. Down